Welcome to the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us. Today, we're going to talk about Minzan, who is a very important figure in Soto Zen in Japan, and kind of controversial because of what he did. And what he did was, he revived Dogen in the 18th century. Believe it or not, Dogen was nearly forgotten after Dogen's lifetime. All people honored the founder, and they knew Shobo Genzo, but very few people actually read Shobo Genzo knew about Dogen, and by that time, people had even forgotten what the Soto Zen tradition, the customs were, Um, and Minzan revived, he researched, he was a scholar, what did Dogen actually practice? And a lot of people say that a lot of our traditions actually were Minzan's imaginings of what Dogen believed, for better and worse. For example, Kinhin, as we walk it. No one is really sure what Dogen said. He said to walk through the Zendo respectfully, and he said to do some walking. But Kinhin, as we walk it, may have been, well, Menzon's creation, imagining, trying to guess what Dogen did. Um, the other thing is that the reason he's controversial is, you know, these days many Soto lineages practice a mixed Rinzai Soto practice where they em- emphasize koan zazen and menzan spoke very much against that he was the shikantaza guy so a lot of uh, the koan people say you know oh menzan you know dogen was a koan guy menzan ruined it well i'm not so sure but anyway today we're going to read the gu zanmai which is the self-fulfilling samadhi by menzan and this samadhi, usually samadhi, you know, in Indian Buddhism is a very deep concentration. Zen samadhi in the Soto way is more a feeling of clarity, liberation, and wholeness. Not necessarily a one-pointed uh, concentration, so deep, 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 but just the light that shines through everything. And this is what Menzan will be speaking of here. I translated it here as the still abiding taste, that's my samadhi, the still abiding taste of the self in self-fulfillment, feeling complete, feeling whole, feeling unified. That's what he's speaking of here. It was written for lay folks like you. So don't let uh, anyone say that uh, this practice is not for lay folks. Dogen said it is. Menzan didn't change a thing when he said it is, and I say it is. Now, we're just going to read through, and I'm going to mostly read and add very little commentary today, just maybe here and there as I can. Although a great many people practice Zazen, by the way, first commentary, this is part of a much longer piece. I've just taken the part, the central core about Zazen. Much of it discusses karma, many things. I've linked to it. It's very long, Uh, but uh, let's get into this part about Zazen. 
Although a great many people practice Zazen, those who understand Jijuyu Zanmai as the true enlightenment of all Buddhas are very few. That is why some hurry on their way to gain enlightenment by wrestling with koans. Mm -hmm. Some struggle within themselves, searching for the subject that sees and hears. I think this is very similar to the people who come to our Zendo looking for the watcher, the transcendent something. We'll talk about that in a second. Some try to rid themselves of their delusory thoughts in order to reach a pleasant place of no mind, no thought. And he merely means no mind, no thought. Some deep, deep place where all thoughts are gone. Many other methods of practicing Zazen were advocated by various teachers in the Sung, Wen, and Ming dynasties in China and in Japan and in the West. Now he explains his commentary on those three ways not to practice Zazen in his eyes. Koan practice started in Sung Dynasty China. There was no such practice during the time of Bodhidharma or Eno, the first, uh, or Eno, the sixth patriarch. The tradition of koan practice did not originate with Seigen or Nangaku. It was established by and based on the biased ideas of the masters of the Sung Dynasty. Here he is historically right. The original Zen masters did not practice koan zazen. The koans are about the original Zen masters. So obviously, if the stories are about them, they were not practicing with their own stories. But that doesn't matter. And koan zazen originated late in the history of zazen. It was a reform movement. He's against it. I'm going to say this, though. I think it's right for some people, even though it is a latecomer, even though our way of shikantaza, most historians seem to say, is based on a tradition that predated koan zazen, probably going back, as I see in some of the readings, very, very early to the origins of Zen. Even so, doesn't mean, in my view, there's anything wrong with koan zazen for some folks. But he's making the point that, yes, it was a latecomer, a Johnny-come-lately. That doesn't mean to me it's a bad thing necessarily, but we'll leave that. Searching for the subject that sees and hears is also useless. Looking for the watcher. Where's my Buddha mind? Where's my Buddha mind? The harder you look for the subject, the more you will tire of wastefully struggling. Since what is seeking and what is being sought cannot be separated. Understand that your eyes cannot see themselves. This is a very complicated way to say that looking for your true nature is a little bit like me looking for my glasses right now. Where are my glasses? Where are my glasses? Oh, here they are, right on my nose. It's when you stop noticing, stop searching, stop looking, and just notice what's here all along that you find. And by the way, you've been looking at it all along too. You see the watcher and the watched and the watching in our view are all one, or we say not two things. You're searching, who's my true self? Where is it? Where is it? Stop, watch, you can't see it too much today, but 
the calligraphy by my grandfather there, Niwa um, Roshi, just says, look, open your eyes. There it is. Next, arousing the mind to eliminate illusory thoughts is like pouring oil on a fire to extinguish it. The fire will blaze with increased strength. We don't try in our way to concentrate, to fight the thoughts, to get rid of the thoughts, to get to a place with no thoughts. We just don't bother with the thoughts. Don't grab them. Don't pay them no never mind, as I say in a nice Southern Americanism. Don't give them no never mind. Just let them be. Then the thoughts are not thoughts. They're just the same as the silence. You see, what he's talking about here is a kind of clarity, a kind of light that will shine through our Zazen if we do this. I want to say that if you're sitting Zazen and you're just sitting there and you're thinking, I'm not supposed to be thinking, uh, just sitting here. Don't grab the thoughts. That's enough. And it uh, feels kind of dull, but I'm going to sit here. Don't grab the thoughts. There's nothing to find. If you're thinking that, you are kind of missing a little bit of the picture. Even though there's nothing to find, you'll see that what he's talking about is a kind of light and clarity that thus arises from this. You don't sit going, well, I'm just sitting here. You sit and the place to be, the time to be, just this. There's a certain energy, a certain light, a certain clarity that rises in our sitting when we don't grab the thoughts, don't get tangled. That's what he's going to be talking about here. Now, that doesn't mean that light and clarity is there all the time. Some days, for anybody, it's just, oh, I'm just sitting here. Oh, how long is that clock going to tick? But every once in a while, the light and sh will shine through. I'll tell you a little story about what happened to me today in a little bit. But let's keep going. People in the present day often pr practice Zazen in this manner. They aspire to rid themselves of delusions and to gain enlightenment, to eliminate illusory thoughts and to obtain the truth. This is nothing but creating the karma of acceptance and rejection. You know, in Zen, we don't like those likes and dislikes, what we accept and what we reject. Get past that. Get past that to a place of all embracing beyond liking and disliking and accepting and rejecting. Don't search for enlightenment, right? And you may realize it's here. Such an attitude is just another form of dualism in that one escapes from one thing and chases after another. Mere methods to rid oneself of delusions and to obtain enlightenment. What a pitiful view. Those old Zen masters, they like to say things like that. How pitiful. By chasing delusions, you create delusions. These are my words. By chasing enlightenment, you miss enlightenment. That's right here. The true Zazen, which has been transmitted by the Buddhas and patriarchs, is the Tathagata's Jijin. That's the Buddha, Tathagata. The Tathagata's Jijiyu Zanmai. Obviously, Zazen is not a practice 
for getting rid of delusions and gaining enlightenment. This is where I often have to caution. It's not a practice for getting rid of illusions, not for chasing or gaining enlightenment. But that light, that clarity that arises when you give up the chase, when you stop trying to get rid of the delusions, the light, the clarity somehow clarifies, enlightens, and disperses the delusions. Okay, this is a good time for me to tell my quick story today. I went to the uh, um, uh, health check, you know, the, the checkup with the doctor, and he said, you know, everything's fine, everything, but there's this one thing we want to look at. We're going to have a test. You know, I'm Jewish. Jewish people immediately think, oh, my God, it's cancer. I mean, this is, you know, this is the family I was raised in. Every pimple is a terminal disease. So I woke up this morning. I said, oh, he found something. What is it? I don't think, he said, I don't think it's anything, but we're going to have a look. You know, one of those things. But to me, you know, so I'm sitting with this as I start Zazen today. Sitting, let it be, let it go. A light a weightlessness, a clarity arose right through the thought. Pimple, no pimple, cancer, no cancer. I'm holding up my thumb for the people listening to the podcast. It's okay. You understand? So, we'll continue where we were. Zazen is not a practice of getting rid of delusions and gaining enlightenment. We must learn Bodhidharma's teaching thoroughly. What is his teaching? To live facing the wall unwaveringly and to see that ordinary people and sages are one and the same. Buddha and ignorant people are one and the same. When the ignorant people realize that, they're Buddha. When the Buddhas are deluded, they're ignorant people. We must also carefully study the words of the second patriarch. Always be clearly aware. And there was a footnote here. This phrase is found in a dialogue between Bodhidharma and the first patriarch, Eka, when he was his student. Bodhidharma said, outwardly stop engaging in any affairs and inwardly do not grasp with your mind. That's our zazen. Outward, stop messing, stop engaging, stop grabbing, stop chasing. Inwardly, don't clutch to your mind. Don't hold it. Let it be too. Relax. Let the light arise, the clarity. When your mind is like a wall, you will be able to enter the way. In this case, they think that there's a little confused about our sitting like a wall or facing the wall. Bodhidharma probably said, sit like a wall. But this is not a dead wall. Think what a wall does. We're living walls. Rain comes. The wall sits there. The hot sun comes. The wall sits there. A bird comes and poops on the wall. The wall sits there. Flowers grow. The wall sits. Our senses are also like the wall, the wall does not reach out and grab with its senses and think about the garden. Oh, that other wall is better than me. Oh, how long do I have to sit here? Woe is me. What if my, any, 
what we do as human beings. The wall just sits. So we sit like a wall, living walls. Eka said, I have already stopped engaging in outside affairs. Bodhidharma said, good. Have you destroyed your mind? You know, completely wiped it out then, the blank, blank. Eka said, no, I haven't. Bodhidharma said, how do you know that? Eka said, I'm just always clearly aware. He's not blanked. He's just aware and very clear, the clear light. You understand? In the Shodaka, a very famous Buddhist poem, there's a wonderful book that just came out by Tonin O'Connor, who was our visitor here a while back, about um, uh, Kodo Sawaki's commentary on the Shodoka, which just translated into English. We find the expression, oh, the helicopter. You still hear me? The birds, the military helicopters, we welcome them all here. Being aware of reality, there is neither subject nor object. We are immediately released from the karma of the hell of incessant suffering. When you give up all thought of separation, subject and object and past and future and good and bad, you're released from a kind of hell. Not just the hell after we die, but the hell right in this life now. By the way, you're going to hear him talking in a second. When he says release, find something transcendent of good and bad, of good and evil, he's not saying I'm a nihilist, I'm amoral, I'm a, a good, evil is the same. You'll find that he's also describing this light, this clarity that arrives that's kind of a super positive, super good, okay? But he says, when you release subject and object, uh, object you are immediately released from the karma of the hell of incessant suffering. When you sit in this samadhi, you will enter directly into the realm of the Tathagata. Therefore, this samadhi is endowed with the limited virtues of the roots of goodness and the limited obstructions of one's evil. Evil deeds caused by evil karma will disappear without a trace. As this samadhi is truly the incomparable great dharma wheel and the practice of ever going beyond buddhahood it is beyond words and discriminating thoughts what do they mean when they say this is the incomparable great dharma wheel this is going beyond buddha probably something like this it's a living teaching the teaching has always been compared to a wheel turning like a cart moving the wheel is turning now. This is the turning of the wheel of the teachings in our real life. It's not some dead words in a book. You understand? And going beyond Buddhahood means the Buddha was not some dead guy 2,500 years ago, not some great force in the sky. It's the living realization now where you go beyond even Buddha to be a better Buddha than Buddha if you can. Something like that. You're a living 
you're living it now. You, you understand that? Buddhahood is not just Buddhahood, a thing. Buddhahood is you're going beyond the word Buddha to make Buddha real now. Something like that. It's a living thing. Okay. Now, he's going to go on. Now I will explain in detail the way to clarify and rely on this samadhi. This is done simply by not clouding the light of yourself. Notice that's kind of a self with a big S here. The big, positive, interconnected, whole self, not your little, oh, I'm so afraid. Oh, I'm so worried. Oh, I'm so happy or sad, little self. That thing that happened yesterday, that thing tomorrow. No. This great, clear, light self that makes all things fall into place. This is done simply by not clouding the light of yourself. When the light of the self is clear, you follow neither dullness and passivity nor distraction and running toward. Again, I take this to mean that when your light is clear, wherever you are, you're not running away from things, you're not running toward. It's not a matter of whether you feel dull or you feel super energized. It's not like that. It's that you're just present with what is in this light, in this clarity, in this certain energy that, of life. The third patriarch said, when the cloudless light illuminates itself, there is no need to make mental struggle. There is no waste of energy. You know, our way is also called silent illumination because in the silence, there's a certain illumination that like my cancer pimple, kind of makes life make sense, makes all the broken pieces whole. When we allow this light to shine, it doesn't always shine, but when it shines, you know it. How do you know it? You don't have to ask me. You'll know it in your own life. When this light is shining, suddenly the, the things of your life that were broken pieces come together. The worries somehow seem lighter, clearer, or fade. The anger, the resistance, the jealousy, whatever it is, somehow seems smaller or vanishes. This is the light. It's like when you take a flashlight and you put a light in the darkness, and the darkness becomes light. It's what we get from sitting this way. But anyway, let me read that again. The third patriarch said, when the cloudless light illuminates itself, there is no need to make mental struggle. There is no waste of energy. This is the vital point of the practice and enlightenment of this samadhi. The cloudless light illuminates itself means that the light of the self shines brightly. Not to make mental struggle means not to add the illusory mind's discrimination to the reality. When you make mental struggle, the light becomes illusory mind and brightness becomes darkness. If you do not make mental struggle, the darkness itself becomes the self-illumination of the light. This is similar to the light of a jewel illuminating the jewel itself. I just like that image. All the jewels of Indra's net, all of us, you're a jewel, I'm a jewel, he's a jewel. Even the people in life that are difficult for us are jewels. Later we're going to chant the meta chant. 
even for difficult people wishing them peace. Everything's is a jewel. Some of them are chipped jewels, perhaps. And we're all one great shining jewel. One great shining jewel that is this. And we're all facets. You know, a diamond has facets, faces. Maybe we're all facets of this great jewel. Something like that. That's my image. For example, it is like the light of the sun or the moon. That's usually a symbol for enlightenment, the, the sun, the moon. It is like the light of the sun or the moon illuminating everything, everything. Mountains and rivers, human beings and dogs, even the dog crap of life, as I say. Without differentiation or evaluation. The light shines on all. The sun doesn't go, I only shine on nice things. I'm not going to shine on that. I don't like that. The sun and the moon shine on all the world without differentiation, right? They shine on battlefields with blood. They shine on peaceful places. They just shine where people are born. They shine where people die. They shine where people are happy. They shine where people are sad. The sun shines all places without differentiation, our mind must be like the sun. Also, a mirror reflects everything without bothering to discriminate. My other favorite image, a mirror. We should have mirror mind when we sit zazen. You put an ugly picture in front of the mirror. You put an ugly something in front of the mirror. Mirror doesn't say, I don't want to see that. Mirror just reflects. Actually, this mirror embraces it all without saying, I like these things. I don't like the other. Your face is nice. I don't like your face. The mirror takes it off. Thus, we say Zazen is not, sometimes I talk of the blue sky, but I, these days I'm talking of the mirror mind. The mirror mind. Have a mind as clear and light and welcoming and embracing and allowing as a mirror. In this Jiju Zanmai, I keep thinking there was a candy when I was a kid, Jujubes. You remember those? I love those things. Okay. Jiju Zanmai, just keep the light of the self unclouded without being concerned with discrimination of objects. When you practice and learn the reality of Zazen thoroughly, the frozen blockage of illusory mind will naturally melt away. Like my worries this morning about my impending cancer diagnosis. By the way, probably not. If it is, thumbs up again. Don't worry about me, guys. I don't want one of you to write me and say, Jundo, I hope it turns out for the well. Don't need it. It turns out as it turns out. You got it? I don't want to hear from one of you. I know you all mean it. In the best of your heart, Jundo, I hope it turns out your test is fine. Jundo, don't worry. Jundo's not worried. Jundo is not worried. Well, kind of I'm worried. But part of me, the Buddha part, is not worried. You got it? Okay. Where was I? The frozen blockage of illusory mind will naturally melt away. If you think you have cut off illusory mind, Instead of simply clarifying how illusory mind melts, illusory mind will come up again. If I go try to get to a place where I'm completely free of all worry of cancer pimple or whatever my problems in life are, I'm not a human being. 
you know, if you try to cut off all fear, cut off all thought in our way, it's not a good way. It'll come back. It's like repressing. I think Freud said repression, holding down like a volcano. No, let it be and just don't be bothered by it. Wave at it. Hi. No problem here. You understand? So we don't try to cut off illusory mind. We just clarify it. Let it come up again. Don't be, don't be bothered, you know. This is very natural. Okay, I'm going to the next paragraph real quick. In both China and Japan, from medieval times to the present, there have been innumerable teachers of Zen who never learned about reality from a two true teacher. I mean, all these guys, I do it too, you know. My way is the highway, you know. That's what he's saying. I'm not even saying that this is the only way to meditate, but, you know, there's always that tendency for teachers to say that. They mistakenly thought that annihilating thoughts in the mind is the authentic practice of the Bodhidharma. The old teachers tried to get past away no thought. Some still do. This is because they grasped only the surface meaning of the words and held on to one-sided views. Although one mind may become three poisonous minds, that's a mind filled with fear, with greed, with anger, divisive thoughts. And the three poisonous minds may bring you to the six realms of good and evil. All of them are only provisional conditions within our mind. There's no reason to banish with them. Just don't mess with them. See through them, clarify them. Don't be their prisoner. Illuminate them. Let them be. Let them go. See you guys. Nevertheless, when our mind is good, maybe I should stop here. In the next paragraph, just real quick, he's talking about, I'm going to go to the black part. Getting beyond evil and good, likes and dislikes, things in the world, even ugly things, beautiful, getting beyond this, but don't think he's talking about some nihilism here. He's talking about some kind of great good that shines through. Let me read this real quick. Nevertheless, when our mind is good, we become stiffened by good intention and attached to the limited results of the three good realms. Consequently, we become blind to the light which is beyond goodness. When our mind is evil, we become stiffened by evil intention and pulled by the results of the three evil realms. Consequently, we suffer and cannot be aware of the light which is beyond evil. You see, there's something here, a light, which is the big good thing, that's beyond small human good, small human evil. Okay? Let me get to the next black part. We fail to realize the light beyond no thought. When we transcend the dichotomies of good and evil, thought and no thought, and emit the light of the self, settling beyond discrimination, we will not stagnate in goodness, though our mind be good, nor will we attach ourselves to evil or to the stage of no thought, even though our mind be in that condition sometimes. Therefore, even when our mind becomes evil, if the light of beyond thought is emitted, evil mind will be dropped off immediately. He's not saying to stay evil. He's saying if you practice Zazen in this way, the evil will kind of, you can't be greedy and angry and mean and jealous and practice what we're talking about. So he's saying transcend evil, but that doesn't mean you can just be evil. You understand? 
okay? And there will be only the light of the self. This is the way to lead people in the three evil realms to ultimate awareness. Okay, and just the last paragraph, now I'm going to skip down there, just to show you that this is for lay people. Mr. K is in a monastery right now. That is a wonderful, important place to practice. But this practice is not only for monastery. It's a little bit like I was a lawyer. I went to law school. But the law is not only in the law school. The law is in the whole world, in the whole society, right? We go to the law school to learn that the law is everywhere. You went to medical school. The medicine's not only in the medical school. The medicine is all the patients of the world, right? The Buddha Dharma is not only in the monastery. This is our school. The Buddha Dharma is everywhere. Okay, we got about five minutes and take some questions, either from our live visitors or people here. Come on, give me some questions, guys. Raise your hand. Got a question? You got to ask me a question just because I love to use the software. <laughs> Go ahead. Turn your microphone on. Hi, Yundo. Hi, Kionin. Um, all, all these that you've been reading uh, make it very clear why Zazen is... Uh, let me get closer to the microphone. Uh, it it's clear to me why Zazen is so hard for the regular guy here in America. Well, I'm not in America, like in the USA, but in the continent. And uh, I wonder how would you explain someone with a regular guy's vocabulary or, or words that we don't try to achieve anything with Zazen because people are very used to um, achieving goals or getting things done because we are all lost in productivity. So, okay. Well, this is all I've been trying to do. Up in, in productivity and all this. This is all I've been trying to do for the last 10 years and I've yet to find the formula. I guess to make it simpler. <laughs> Wait, I just had it actually. I was going to say, what was. I'm having a senior moment. It was just on the tip of my tongue. Well, maybe sit like a mirror. Sit like a mirror. Put I down like the thoughts. Yes. Put down the it's thoughts. Really Put down the judging. Feel the light that arises, the clarity. And that's so hard for people because that is against everything we do. We don't know how to sit. We do not know how to stop judging. We do not know how to stop thinking about yesterday and tomorrow. We do not know how to drop the jealousy and resistance. Like a mirror, don't judge beautiful, don't judge ugly. Embrace, sit, stop judging, let the light shine. I can't say it any clearer than that, yet... That's perfect. perfect. And very useful. Yeah, well, that's still not going to get people to get it. So, <laughs> another question? But we can try. We can try. We must keep trying. Though, what is our vow? Uh, we're going to vow later. Sentient beings are numberless. We vow to free them.
right? But it's not, can never finish the job. Okay. Another question? No? No? Any question? Uh, okay. Danny, you hearing okay? Isn't it the middle of the night for you there? <laughs> All right, let's recite the verse to close the sutra then. Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.